0: I mean, there, there are guidelines for it, you know. If you would stick to the guidelines, you'd be safe, you know. But we all know that if you play it safe, you don't make it. So you, you'd have to go further than safe. <laughs>
1: Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. Welcome back to a new episode of Social Convos. I'm your host, Diego, together with my co-host, Shanluk. Luc. Sean Luc, how is it going?
2: Oh, it's going pretty smooth. I'm just looking at the intro again. And I'm wondering because you have some sound effects available today. So we're going to try some out.
1: We're back with a new episode.
2: <laughs> Welcome back to a brand new episode of Social Convos. No, just kidding. Hey, I'm excited.
1: If you're listening on YouTube, subscribe, like, give us a follow, share on social medias, share with your friends. And we're also on Instagram at Convos, at C-O-N-F-O-E-S. Give us a follow there. And more updates will be following soon via those channels, so stay tuned. And without further ado, Sean look, what are we talking about today and with whom?
2: So was a trip down memory lane for me? And the reason I said that is in 2014, I started two podcasts. I started, at, it's kind of a, I wouldn't say started two podcasts because both of them I did two episodes and I recorded them at a local studio. So I didn't, back then, this setup was not a set that I would normally do. I would drive to a recording studio. My guests would drive to the same recording studio and we would record the session there. And, I started with Surinamo Online, which is basically about Surinamese people who are very focused and are familiar with the online space. And the second one was Artist of the Month, where I would interview artists. And I only did four episodes, so two of each. Looking back, those were some really fun episodes. I mean, there's still some really valuable content in it. And I feel like a little bit upset that I don't have any video footage of those recordings. It was full audio. It was traditional podcast. Back then, Joe Rogan wasn't a thing yet. At least not in a a global scale.
1: So we're talking about almost a decade ago. So this would be 2014. 2014, 2014, 2014, 2014, Nine
2: years ago. A little over nine years ago, I started podcasting. And then I let go for at least six, seven years. Because at the time, it was a real investment. Like I really had to kind of rent out the studio, even though I had a barter deal with, with Top 40 at the time, which was a, a music charts, the Top 40 music charts of up. I had a barter deal with them. So I was able to film a couple of episodes there. I was like, should I go to a radio station and make this a regular thing? For some reason, I left it. At the time, I hadn't started for myself, so I was still working a regular day job, so I was doing it on the side. I wasn't fully convinced which way I wanted to go, and I was still pretty much a creative explorer, and you're far familiar with the term creative explorer, as you've also been a creative explorer. So at that time, I wasn't really like, I didn't have like a clear roadmap where it would lead. I just thought it was fun to do it. And for me personally, the the favorite thing about it was, it was in English. We chose specifically to do it in English. And the first episode was for Suriname Online, which was basically the very first podcast episode I ever did. What was, was with today's guest, with Plu. And we spoke about where his name came from, but also the fact that back then, he already had a massive following online. And he would send out happy birthday wishes to on average if you look back at it on average over 10 people a day and we talked a lot about the the online space back then so it will be for me really interesting to talk today to see like nine years later what has changed and what is still the same so i think that's a, a pretty interesting place to start with
1: so without further ado I'd like to welcome to the stage, Hedwig, Plu de la Fuente.
2: All right, guys. I'm really wondering how that sound will play out on audio, on strange platforms.
1: Yeah, we're still fine doing it. Yeah. But Blue, welcome to the show. Thank I know you you've been watching me. the show, watching us for a few years now. Maybe see <laughs> you popping in in the comments every now and then, and. As Jean-Luc mentioned, the very first episode you guys recorded was nine years ago, and a lot happens in a span of nine years, a lot happens in a change of technology, in a change of how we interact online, but there's still some core principles, and before we went live today, I listened to that first episode you guys did, it was about around 17 to 20 minutes, if you guys haven't listened to that, mm-hmm. check it out. But. I really want to briefly touch, it was funny, Jean-Luc also mentioned a few things, wishing people happy birthday, like that commitment on average 10 a day, having a friend list of 5,000 people back in a day already. Still. And (laughs) the origins of Blue, which was quite hilarious how that came to be. So to kick us off, can you briefly tell us? in a short version <laughs> what plu stands for and the origins of plu okay. what plu stands for <laughs> now and the origins of plu <laughs> okay basically
0: plu is my, my 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 nickname my brand name it means good friend for me because it comes from a group of 10 friends that used to go out together have fun together and at some point when you know friends are together somewhere especially boys, you know, girls walk by and you can't just mention the parts of the body of girls, you know, and one of the guys in the group was that smart and came up with the code name for the behind of the ladies and the behind code was blue. And well, I was making fun of them, calling all of them blue, you know, like, hey, behind, how are you, <laughs> you know? <laughs> And it backfired on me, <laughs> so it's and it's the only nickname that my late mother didn't mind me having. You know, I mean, as your light skin people would call you in Suriname would call you Buru, which all that sort of name. And my mother didn't like that, but she didn't have a problem with blue. So it's blue.
1: And you've kind of made it in your own, because if I remember correctly, it means for you now, peace, love, and unity. Yes. So can you tell us more about how you transitioned from a woman's behind to peace, love, and unity? It gives you peace, love, and unity, you know?
0: (laughs) (laughs) You have to give it a a better meaning, you
2: know? (laughs) No, it is it is it is really interesting because like it's it's fun. Like it started out as a gimmick, it became like a trademark. It went from a gimmick to a trademark. It's a beautiful thing. Like your like you mentioned, like what your mother said, it's, it makes sense. Like it's it's a name. It doesn't have any connotations, negative right. connotations with it. Because mm-hmm. even from the gimmick, it's it's a fun, it's a fun positive gimmick. Yeah. yeah. But also now translating it to having your own uh, nickname, which you branded like and I want to give credit to that as well right. because that's something we didn't touch upon yeah. years ago right. is that like you owned up it you owned up to it yeah. you even have pics by Plu. you know it's yeah. like it's it's like in marketing sense we make fun of it a lot but we also give credit to and I don't want to compare you to the Kardashians in any no. sense. <laughs> but even though some of them have very nice blues but it's it's like the story of of the Kardashians where their mother kind of took situations from them where normally speaking it would have a negative connotation and she made a business on and in some sense you you kind of did the same it's like okay it's a gimmick it's fun but it ended up being your trademark and like a lot of people that look up to you first they know you by by your by your by plu, and then they know you by head so i think that's really interesting how that has been branded And and there's also some people tuning in who quickly wanted to comment and say like, hey, say hi to the man himself, the man, the it, the legend. Helio has been doing an amazing job lately. So Helio, congratulations as as well. But a lot of people look up to you. A lot of people have been students of yours, whether it's been through formal education or informal education. Back when I was lecturing for, for social media, I would also sometimes ask a favor like, "Hey, could you help out, especially with photography?" And I think that's also where I want to start for today, because like we spoke about, like your name and everything. But for us, it's really interesting. A lot of people, like especially the younger generation, they know they don't know the full background. They don't know that logos that people look at originated in your studio. Famous photos that are constantly being used in Suriname were taken by your cameras. So, if you could walk us through, and we don't want to go full Suriname, wish and <laughs> water, wish your father on us, but we do want to live a little bit more on where did it start. Like we can go into the sports even, but for okay. the photography and the design part, where where did it start? Was it always? I'm going to be a photographer, I'm going to be a designer, or where did it start?
0: It started with design. Back in school, what we call lyceum here, I, I would never pay much attention to what's in front of the class. I was always in my, my math, how do you say it, my mad book, writing and making logos for everyone in the class, you know? So uh, I would make a Chaluk loco. I would make a Diego loco, you know. And when we had drawing lessons, I I remember one time we had to draw something new and something old. And I chose cars. And I I delivered my my drawing to the teacher and he gave me a nine. And I went like, but how do I get a 10? You know, (laughs) he said, well, Continue on it, you know, and I continued on it and I got a 10. But the, the love of logos was always there. I was always writing people's names with nice kind of colors and letters. The, the idea of logo wasn't even there yet, but it's, it's the start of it. And what also pushed me in that direction is I have a brother that is a sign painter. And so everything about graphics, the basics, you know, especially things that had to have to do with fonts, I got from him, you know, because fonts is is something, it's it's the thing that in graphics is most of the time is the weakest, you know, and I learned that you have to master fonts to to be good in graphics. And at that point, after Lyceum, at least I didn't even finish Lyceum to say that. (laughs) I was in the last class of Lyceum. And I wanted to go to the Academy of Art. And I figured out that I could go because the last class of Lyceum was equal to Havo. And Havo is what you needed to go to, uh, to the Academy. So I went to the Academy. And there I started graphic design. And it was, I think, in my second or my third year that I I applied for a job at Art Design, which then was owned by... Hannah Breenings, and the late Pim Reisiger. And that's where, where I got the real basis for knowing what corporate identity and graphic design is. I was lucky enough to, in, in, the, in the two years that I worked there, to have met and got to know Claudette De Bruyne, who was also a great graphic designer. Harman Reisdeck, who studied in, in Jamaica, same thing you know so that was the basis for graphic design if i would if i would have to to be grateful to two people for being strong and knowing what corporate identity is then it's the late team and Hannah brunings
2: you're really calling out some og names there i mean oh, like yeah. from my yes oh yeah, like if, if yeah. from the from the service design yeah. field it's like yeah it feels like it for me, at least, from my generation, it feels like it, it starts it starts there. So I think that's really, yeah. really interesting to hear. I do yeah. have to ask, though, as as you also mentioned, it started with design. Mm-hmm. And then that's when I want to wonder, where did the photography actually start?
0: I worked about two years for our design. And funny enough, I mean, I think we had entrepreneurship in, in our teams also. An uncle of mine who had his own company. At some point, he told me, like, hey, you should start for yourself, you know? And I, went, I don't think so, Uncle. <laughs> it's too hard to start for yourself, you know? Well, you never know. Six months later, I started working for myself, you know? <laughs> I, I said goodbye to art design, and I started working for myself. And from there, it started. But what, what's what my strongest point, no, my weakest point is that I'm, I don't call myself like an, an illustrator. And back then, it was either illustration or photography that you could use in graphic design to make it even stronger, you know? So I I got photography in, at the Academy of Arts. So I picked it up and started doing photography for my own work. But it didn't take long before people like also Claudette De Bruyne and other designers started asking me to do photography for them, you know, because I think the advantage that I had is that I was doing photography with, with a graphic design background, so I knew what kind of photography was needed for the graphic design, you know, so I think that, that, that was my strongest point that I could do both, yeah, that's where it started.
1: That's really cool because it's basically a complementary skill to enhance what you're already doing and people underestimate how the overlap of two specializations can create a very new niche so when people talk about specializing go deep down it's hard to become in the top one percent but if you combine two things you can create a whole new niche and become in the top easier it
0: got me a lot of work back then because companies were having graphic designers and photographers work for them, but I could do both. So they could pay one
1: person to do both things, <laughs> you know,
0: and I could charge
2: more.
1: <laughs> yeah. Cause you understand the relationship between the photos and yeah. the design and how yeah. it enhances each other. Yeah. So. And I see your sons tuning in. Nice setup. Very ha- man. I saw, I saw some <laughs> behind the scenes photo <laughs> uh, on, on the setup. So <laughs> nice setup there. But I just listened to your story on how you started at school. Basically, it wasn't your strongest suit as you know being that attentive. You are more drawn to the creative doodling on pieces of paper and pursue that further. What surprises me is I've known you a few years now, and I always see you eager to learn new stuff in the most surprising courses, in the most surprising events that don't even necessarily have to do anything with graphic design or photography. You see flu there. So tell me where this thirst for learning and thirst for learning new things outside of your fields of expertise comes from.
0: It's it's with photography, it's you, you get the chance to, to come at places where other people don't come, you know, and you often see things that interest you. I mean, like, take, for example, now the, the oil and gas thing that's coming up for Suriname. I mean, you must be crazy not to be interested, you know. I mean, in graphic design and in photography and in, in even the photo coaching that I'm doing, there, there is market for it, you know. So and you, you can you can better understand if other fields, if, if you need to approach it as a photographer of a graphic designer, if you know a little bit more about it, you know, I mean, you could see me in a, in a, in a yoga class or a yoga workshop. You know, or anything I, I I could follow, and one thing that I always learned, and it's it's not all only with workshops; it's also with with books and magazines. If it's free, get it. You know, <laughs> if it's free, get it. I mean, I, I have a I have a nice example. I I used to do ph- videography, like way 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 back. Giorgio might laugh, you know, but it's not on that level at all, but. I used to make television commercials, you know? And at some point I was interested in animation also. And there were colleagues that were doing animation, but I had the magazines about videography and animation. And they came to my studio just to borrow the magazine because they didn't know it was free to get it in the States, just if you had an address in Miami, you know? <laughs> I was getting like six, seven videography, animation, photography magazines at some point, you know, and people just come in my studio and get to borrow them and get the knowledge themselves. Also,
2: I, I want to quickly, I want to quickly jump into that one. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, because that's also part of learning and continuous learning is also understanding the methods and the platforms information provide. And like you mentioned, it used to be like. 20 years ago, it used to be all magazines. Yep. Like you had the premier magazines and you know you wanted those magazines because the latest information was in those magazines. Now that has all transitioned into digital. Mm -hmm. So how was that transition of getting information from magazines to getting the information from online websites or even specific creators? How how was the transition for you?
0: It, back. It, it wasn't that difficult because the I, I would say the transition was in the magazines, you know. Because at some point when the internet started to to roll out, uh, you started to see www in the magazines, you know. So, and from there de- from there on, makes it was, sense, it makes sense. From there on, it was easy, you know. So I mean, whenever I saw anything uh, ad or something of a company or or maybe they had a feature on a photographer and he would have a website you know i mean definitely visit that website and see what's happening there and i mean with the coming of of youtube i mean that's that's the ultimate i w- i always tell to students that if i was like in the age of youtube
2: <laughs> i mean <laughs> It would have been a totally different ballgame. It would be a different place. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've inspired a lot of people. Yeah. See, I even see Rafael right. jumping in here. Hey, so cool, a lot man. of a uh, lot of shout-outs from, uh, from people that, that highly respect you. But I, I wanna quickly jump into to another example of, of how that transition came about. On on going from the, the like the traditional age. So first question I have to ask, do you still Get mag- get the magazines. Do you still get information out of magazines and read magazines? Well, or have you transitioned to?
0: I've I've transitioned mostly, so, and, and that is not now. It's a few years back, because the magazines were piling up, you know. And yeah. what I recognize is that, like half of the magazines was, it it, it didn't have any value after six months. You know, so I put more of my my finances into books. I mean, books are, and it, it doesn't have to be photography books. It could be anything. You know, you have uh, book, a little books, bit more longevity, I
2: guess. Yes, yeah,
0: books have more value yeah. and they they stay longer, definitely. Yeah, but uh, at at the moment, what what my my rhythm in the morning is, I have my coffee, I have my my breakfast, and YouTube mm-hmm. is on. And I can watch anything from photography, from a little bit of politics, to in, inspirational things, to crypto, anything, anything. But it's okay. standard in the morning. Before we I, jump I, into I that
2: one, <laughs> before we jump into that one, because I, Diego had already jumped up, I have one more question where, before I switch it over to Diego. Because Diego mentioned that you're investing a lot of... And, experience and knowledge into things that don't necessarily match up with your core business but mm-hmm. you take value and interest in because you feel like, hey, this could be of importance to the line of work that I do. Mm-hmm. So what I really wanted to know is what would you think would be something that wasn't directly connected to your work but to this day, it's piece of information that you still use.
0: Ooh, that's a difficult one. Yeah. I would say it, it might sound contrary, you know, but way, way, way back, I had a friend that was in Scientology, you know, and that's, that's a whole other ball game. <laughs> but <clears throat> Scientology has different parts. And one of the parts from what I remember had to do with business and there was just just one sentence, you know, that said that, I mean, it's, it's very obvious when, when companies do good, you know, they, they make money. Most people, most companies would tend to expand, you know, because they want to grow bigger. But the, the sentence I remember in, in the book is that you have to even put more eyes on your finances when you're doing good like spend the finances even more wisely because that would accelerate your, your growth even more instead of just, oh we have money, okay now we can buy company cars and now we can make a bigger building you know, but the better thing to do is look at the finances and
1: see where can you make better use of the finances even though you're doing good I think that's a good segue but Actually, I don't want to use that segue yet because I want to stick to your core first. Go ahead. And go ahead. I think I think this is important. Go ahead. You mentioned typography is one of the most overlooked aspects, and I think especially now mm-hmm. of design and especially corporate identity. Mm-hmm. So could you explain or elaborate a bit more on? Why typography is so important and what sets apart a good corporate typography versus a bad one? I,
0: I wouldn't even throw it in the corporate. I, I'll just give a, a, a nice example. One thing that I, I don't like to use the word irritate, but it irritates me when, when I see, for example, a great animation, you know, I mean, beautiful logo great animation and then there should be a sentence at the end and they use a font that i mean it, it totally clashes with the whole form of the animation and the style of the logo you know that that just that just kills me when i see that you know and there there i can see that you would have probably a graphic designer or animator that is maybe 10 times even more talented than I am, but he doesn't have the feel of the topography that should be associated with something like that. You know, and it's it's not an easy subject to to teach people. That's why at the academy, I didn't choose to teach graphic design. I choose to teach photography because graphic design is not easy to teach. What's so difficult?
1: about explaining typography to people
0: it's 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 because graphic design is not only the typography it it has it's it it's way more than that i mean a font has a certain character and you you should you should have the feeling to develop the feeling to to know where and when you can use a certain font i mean there there are guidelines for it you know if, if you would stick to the guidelines should be safe you know, but we all know that if you play it safe, you don't make it. So you, you'd have to go further than safe. So you have to go further and, and know more about typography and all parts of graphic design
1: to make. It. So okay. Last thing on this point, and, what are two go-to fonts within the safe guidelines that people can go to?
0: That's, a, like, hard one. That, that's a, that's a hard one. People, if everyone would call names, people would kill me. That's one, <laughs> you know, but uh, I mean, look, we all know what an Arial is, right? We all know what a Times Roman is. I mean, if you would go with a Times Roman and it's used wisely, I think you can never go wrong. There, There is a font. I don't know if you know the name. It's Helvetica. Yeah, Helvetica is one of the strongest fonts that personally I like. And if there, but it also depends on how will it be used. Will it be used for longer text, longer lines, or is it just a word? If it, if it's just for a word, I would I would love to use something like there's a font called called Compacta. That's the I'm just calling the original names because. People are changing names of the fonts like, you know, like they made the font. But they use the same compacta and give it a, a different name and sell it for you, you know. But the original compacta, it's, it's a really nice one. It's a, it's a little bit a- a- elongated. It's a little bit longer than normal. And it's pretty thick. But it's, it's a really nice one if you, if you want to make an impact. Even the word impact, it's, it's a good name to use with the, with the font. I believe, I believe I believe, someone even changed the name of Compacta with Impact.
2: <laughs> yeah, is impact. Is impact. So I yeah. really, because this is interesting, because from a traditional perspective, it used to be Times New Roman for academic purposes. Like if you would write an academic paper, it would be Times New Roman, 11, one and a half spacing. I think that's like, yeah. and then justified. I think that's yeah. kind of like an, an academic rule book kind of thing. Yeah. And then Arial, Arial would be like the more mainstream used. And then all of a sudden, Google Word and other companies started changing from, uh, from Arial to Helvetica as well. Then all of a sudden, Helvetica became. But I think, and I, I can't fully comprehend how that works. But I do feel there is a difference, and somebody told me this before. There is a difference with online fonts and written fonts, like, fonts that are being published, printed. On, piece, printed on a piece of paper, yeah, and the online fonts. So maybe you could elaborate a little bit on, on that to, to give people a better understanding who are less familiar with, with these
0: kinds of things. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty technical, but <clears throat> the, to me, the main difference is that what was originally designed has more or better optical spacing. Uh, and by optical spacing, I mean, like, if you would put, like, an an N and an M beside each other, you would have to make the, the opening between the two letters optically bigger than if you would, like, let's say you would put an M and an O beside each other. The, the, you, you'd have to put the O closer to the M if you would write the word MO, for example, you know? But it's it's a straight lines, so you have to, like, make a little bit more room for it to breathe, as they say. And if you would uh, put rounder shapes against like a flatter shape, you would have to put them together. And even if you put like, let's say two O's together, you would like almost glue them together, like a little space between it, you know? And that, that, is, the, um, that is the main feeling that most people don't develop when they design things. You know, it's, it's, it's not easy to develop, it took me a long while. And, and even then as a, as a, you could say an experienced designer, sometimes you, you could miss it. And maybe after two years, when you've designed the thing, you go like, hmm, I should have put that a little bit
1: closer, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Design is a yeah. lot about subjectivity and optical balance in a sense. So there's yeah. no real, like rulers that you could no, put like lines, not, like everything should be, no. you need to like really look at it as a whole yeah. and yeah. see how the individual elements yeah. interact with each yeah. other.
0: And, and, so and, and with sorry. And, and with fonts on computers is you, you will have to be technical enough to be able to adjust that in the fonts or in the program that you are using and if you can do that then you would have like the same effect or almost the same effect as the traditional way that fonts are used but not most people they they just start to use the program and don't don't uh how do you say it how do said it fine tune anything yeah. you know they just yeah, go they, they ahead don't know and what work. kerning is no not at all not at all yeah
1: <laughs> yeah google that kerning Google that, google if that you're to this, you don't know anything. <laughs> okay. All right, though, that, that was a quick technical segue. And the other one that I wanted to ask is, I want to know the story about the Hurley shot.
0: Oh, the, the Peter
1: Hurley shot. The
0: Peter Hurley shot. Well, okay. Peter Hurley is very, very, very well-known and very successful photographer in New York. And I used to look at all his videos on YouTube. He has trainings, workshops that you needed to pay for it also. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a guy that looks for the free things. So I, I I looked at all his YouTube videos. And at some point I went to Germany to the photo keynote with, together with Raul Nehors and another friend of his. And <clears throat> to my surprise, on the street, I saw Peter Hurley. I mean, like oh he's here you know and we went up to him said hi and i was wearing my Pix by blue t-shirt like just the same logo here but like big on the t-shirt and he looked at it oh Pix by blue and you know and i just thought he looked at it and we talked and said hi and the next day we went to the photokina and there he had a booth taking portraits I mean, this guy, if you want to take a portrait at him, you have to pay like 12 to 1500 US dollars for a few headshots, just headshots, you know? And he has a, a, a certain way of approaching his subjects and coaching his subjects how to interact with the camera. And I mean, looking at all his videos, I studied all of those tricks. You know, he had a great deal at the Photokina where you could just pay 35 bucks and he would take a portrait of you. I mean, 35 bucks for a Peter Hurley shot. I mean, why not? You know, you got you even got a book, you know, even got a book. You got the photos. I mean, this is really crazy. The photos that he took, you got them in raw from him, you know. You don't get G Packs from her. You get the Ross for $35. That was the deal at Photokina. So I paid my thirty-five to the line and I looked at, at the booth. I said, I didn't see anything like because I was like wearing a cap the whole day and my hair looked like nothing. So I was looking for a place where I could wet my hair and settle it. It wasn't close to the booth. So I told him like, listen, give me five minutes. I looked for a toilet, fixed my hair. Everybody in the toilet was looking at me like, what the hell is this guy doing? You know, <laughs> I was like wetting my hair to get it look like this almost went back to the booth. But the funny thing is he he had a mic connected. So anything he said, you could hear in the booth and all over the, the photo keynote and The, the, the most amazing thing happened is that he recognized me. He went like, oh, I mean, like, how does Peter Hurley recognize you in a day? I mean, like, you know, that, that was cool, you know? And I went to pose for him then, and he has certain things. One of the thing is that if you pose for him, you know, you, you need to like squint a little, you know, give the, give the look. You know, and one thing with chins also, he, he has an instruction that you like have to like move forward a little bit. If you look at from the side, it's like you have to do this. Yeah, he, like a it, 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 it makes <laughs> you feel like a chicken of some sort, you know, but the picture looks better. And especially for ladies, he has a, a, another trick is that he tells the ladies like, hold up a big sandwich or a big hot dog, you know? Like this. And what that does, it changes the way the shoulders look. Because if you if you stand like this, look at the shoulders, and you see what it does to the shoulders? And if you then took your head forward and squint, I mean, and I did all that for him. And he went like, holy, this guy knows my stuff. <laughs> It was a, I mean, it was an amazing experience, you know, and the fact that he sends you the ROS through email and you can do anything, what you want with, with with the, with the file. That's super. And that for $35, I mean, which normally would cost you 1500. Amazing.
1: That's really an amazing story. And did you do the. The editing, like the, the style, stylistic editing with the raw file yourself. Yeah. Or was that also styled no. by. No, no, know. no. Oh.
0: I did that. I did that myself. i mean, because he, he just sent them. It's, it's like a clear shot that he sends. It's like nice, even
2: light. That's, thing. that's yeah. why it's, yeah. that's why you can pay it because if he has to edit it. Oh no. The price he, goes. He, yeah, Definitely. Yeah.
0: Definitely. Definitely. And he, he picks the best ones also. I mean, and in, in the five minutes that you do for $35, it's. He shoots probably 10, 15 photos of you. I mean, but if you pay 1,500, you're probably with him like 15 minutes to half an hour, you know, and proper preparation. And in his sessions, what he does, he shoots you and takes you to the screen and shows you what he shot so that you can see what you can do better. You know, that's the way he works. Yeah, it's, he's an amazing photographer. Yeah, Good, good to know yeah. also is that he, he used to be a model himself. That's, that's why he
1: knows how it works. That just goes to show like combining two fields into one and, you know, excelling in that. He, He,
0: he was a, he was a, like, he was like a supermodel, but a male one, you know? And, but, uh, he just went into photography and made it because he knew what was needed, you know? I mean, he just shoots only actors, models, you know? That that's his main main business, and he, he does a lot of workshops all over the world now.
1: Yeah, and he's Basically. known for the headshot. Yeah, the, the yeah he's the headshot. He's
0: the headshot guy. Yeah,
1: yeah. 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 Awesome. It's so awesome, that I, I was really curious on how yeah. that interaction happened, oh. and that so much happened that you it's, met him the day before, and he recognized yeah. you. That's really cool to hear. Yeah. It's an
0: an experience so, to not forget.
1: So transitioning back to what you mentioned in learning and on the business side that Sean Luke mentioned, Sean Luke asked you about some learning or ex- skill that you learned, and you you mentioned finances. If you can allocate the finances to not necessarily expand or grow, but make your business more efficient, like how has that carried over in not just your business but your outlook throughout you know life in general like how relevant is it to not just know how to do negotiations and business mm-hmm. but also be proper with money because yeah. i know you just mentioned i think crypto before but also investing in yourself in in learning although you look for the free stuff you're not afraid I, to invest if it's really no, definitely, something you...
0: definitely yeah no so um, yeah the 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 two markets i'm in like graphic design and photography they they are both markets where gear is very important you know but I, I i tend to stress people about that gear one thing gear is not everything a lot of colleagues might not agree you know they might think oh gear is everything but gear is very important but to give you an idea When I started using computers for graphic design, the, the trend was always like everybody was rushing to get the fastest newest machine, you know, but if you look at, look at it from a a, a business standpoint, personally, I look at it that way, if every two years you have to buy the newest PC or the newest Mac as a lot of graphic designers would, would want and photographers also. Guys, I don't use a Mac, okay? I use a PC, all right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't invest in things that are way too expensive and deliver the same. Because if somebody looks at my photo or my design, they won't know if it's made on a Mac or made on a PC. There's no difference in it, you know? So I, I, I see it as wasting money to spend on equipment too fast. You know, I I tend to time when it's really needed to buy new gear. To give you an example, the the camera I'm using at at this moment, most people would go like, really, it's eight years old, but it's doing its job. I know what I can get out of it. Of course, I have my eyes on another camera at the moment, you know, of course. I know what I'm getting, but to give you an example that I haven't ca- I have a camera that is eight years old and it cost me $600. I mean, most photographers now, I bet they have a camera that costs 1500 to $2,000 or even more, you know? So I, I, I tend to look at it that way don't spend too easily, too fast on new gear. try to make the timing when you really need it of course if you if if you would need gear for a certain production to do it faster because that's always the thing like yeah it's gonna make me work faster how much faster will it make you work you know have you calculated how much faster it would make you work and will it really make you more money faster you know so it's 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 a difficult thing but that's where I started to look at money with a finer eye to see, like, don't waste too much money too easily. You know?
1: Yeah. Some sage advice, I think, for the new <laughs> up-and-coming generation that's always on the lookout for, you know, the latest and greatest iPhone or, you know, the new the Sony phone. A7R, whatever generation is at now.
0: Same thing. I mean, I, I'm using a, a, a seven series of a OnePlus and OnePlus is at 10 or 11 already. You know, do you see the difference when I take the picture? Some people do. You know, Giorgio might, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but most people don't, you know, and I mean, that's it. Yeah.
2: No, I really want to jump amazing. because we're talking about gear and we're mm-hmm. talking about how to properly present, but also take pictures and imagery. And I'm looking at the setup, and you've mentioned Giorgio, so I feel like this now is the right time to jump into it. Tell us a little bit about the setup, like the we set up here, of, or yes, one of our guests that has like we have we have had a couple of guests who are just stay at home setup, you know, like mm-hmm. hey, this is my regular pace where i take my zoom meetings yeah then then you have guests of ours who are like in a studio office who have set proper setup and that's kind of their podcast and setup or yeah like mm-hmm. and now in this case i feel this setup has been made at least partially specific for for this episode so could you take us through a a run through <laughs> on, on, on this particular particular yes, setup. Of, Hold up, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna make you a little bit bigger so that people can can actually have a have a proper look at the setup as well. Mm-hmm. So feel free to share with us.
0: Okay, well, let's start with this. I used to have a bigger studio, and that's it. Goes a little bit back to the financial things, Diego. I used to have a way bigger studio downstairs, but I rented it out to a company. To get more money in and so i'm in a smaller studio a real small studio so i had to like get i, I didn't want a total background i mean i, I could add something with pics by blue printed out and put it as a background or go with a virtual thing with a green screen but i figured like i, I wanted to do something here so i asked Giorgio to assist me with especially the light you know and we I find this nice to use as a background because to let you know what this is, this is this is the exposure triangle in photography. If if you know this stuff, you know like ninety percent of the technical stuff that you need in photography. This is what this is the first lesson and the main lesson that I teach when I photo coach. You know? So I figured this would be nice to use as a background. It's this disguising a whole other thing in the back here that you wouldn't see it with the jewelry of my wife <laughs> because that would totally reflect all over i use one of the lights the soft boxes that i normally use when when i do portraits or anything else and the poster that you see in the back here it's the suriname poster that i made with a few photos and the the six photos that are on it, I ex- had an expo in Paris with them. So from there, I made this poster to make it a, a Suriname poster. And over here, somewhere here, there's a a hair light coming down, a little, just a little little light, a little hair light coming down. And the light that's coming in front of me here, it's. Reflected on like a huge reflector, but it's lit with a, a halogen, a halogen arilite. light. It's like a 650 watts RE light. So, I mean, you would say like, what is a photographer doing with an light? I mean, I got to buy the arilite light for $250 from a photographer that didn't know what to do with ARRI light, but I know what ARRI light was. So I bought it from him. <laughs> And I still have it, you know? So it comes in handy. Giorgio reflected it on the wall. That's coming on to me. So it gives yeah, it's a nice side lighting. The, um, the reflection you see here, it's pretty cool too because the, the light bounces from there and you get like a, a side few shadow from here. And yeah, that's, that's that's the setup. Of course, he gave me a great mic here. And some. I think it's a filter to like, the, the don't hear the, the pops when, when you're talking, you know, and that's it. And uh, yeah, I shaved a little extra this afternoon so to look better, and that's it.
1: Yeah. It's a quick crash course on lighting, and yeah, I, I, I like know the,
0: that. I like the setup. I uh, like the setup.
1: The, the hair light is such a Giorgio touch to do, you know, oh, with the rim yeah, lighting to like separate it. you yeah. from the background.
0: I like it. I love it. Yeah. Man.
1: So, as we transition to the uh, the end part of the show,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I want to go to a bit social media. And mm-hmm. nine years ago, with its first episode of Sean, look, you guys were talking about Suriname online, the use of social media, the Facebook space was totally different. You said you weren't using Twitter at all because it didn't interest you. Like, I, how everyone,
0: has. I want Twitter.
1: <laughs> how <laughs> has social media used evolved for you over the past nine years? Like what, what's drastically different in how you use it and what you use?
0: I would say the main thing that I'm doing now, is I scan way more. And by scanning, I mean, like, I don't read BS, you know, I mean, things that don't interest me, they just go by like that. You know, I really scan like, oh, this looks interesting, you know, and uh, I, I even limit my time that I spend on it. I mean, sometimes there are stories, but if you read the first part of the story, you get to know what the story is, you know? And if you follow on social media, at some point you will hear the whole story or in, in another personal meeting with someone, you will even hear more about the story. So I don't waste my time to, to follow that, that much on social media. I'm on it a lot. Definitely, you know, but you can, I, I use it as my, my, my news, my social, especially my social. I mean, like when I, some, I post things, that the nice thing I like about social media is, is when you get a PM that gets the conversation going, you know, that, that's what I like about social media and that, that's, I think, the way it's supposed to be used. You no, know, it's 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 not that you go and have the conversation where everybody can lead, read the conversation. You know, it's not that I'm not that open, but it's I think it has more value if if you go one on one with
1: people. Tell us a bit about Twitter because you said you're on Twitter now. Like way 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 back, I think it was. What
2: pretty... what did you what made you change your mind? Do you remember? Yeah. No, specific no no no, I, I, specific... I had
0: I had the, I had the account. Way, way, way back, you know, when there was a social media day somewhere in the bureau Stride, i I think, yeah, know? I remember that yeah, yeah. that,
2: I, was, I, that th- was around the same time, right yeah or a year yeah. earlier or yeah. around that time, indeed, yeah, you
0: know, but what made me use Twitter more is that uh, I noticed that definitely things that happen in the states you hear faster through Twitter, and certain people, I mean, uh, Shaluk mentioned Gary Vaynerchuk. I mean. If you want to follow Gary Vaynerchuk and you're not on Twitter, you're not gonna follow him, you know. And there, there are a lot of other people that that I, I mean, for example, the the CEO of Binance CZ, you know, I mean, that's a guy that I I see every tweet of him almost, you know. So and it, it's good to to have a channel that it's it doesn't have to. I I don't read all the comments. I just read what he says, you know. That, that's my way of scanning also, you know, that there might be sometimes a first command that where you go like, Hmm, that's interesting too, you know, but, or somebody retweeted it where you go like, Hmm, that's another few on the story, you know, but, I, I do the same scanning there, the same scanning, but, I find it nice and uh, to, to follow people that you would normally not look into their private life easily. You can look into private life more easily on, on Twitter.
1: To close this off, I think we can do a quick over-under for Plu. So Go ahead. Plus, What's the you, over under? <laughs> Explain it again. I think you've seen a few, yeah, few okay, episodes. So but basically. Just sure, sure, refresh it's, it for it's basically,
2: overrated, underrated. We pop okay. up some, uh, okay, some, yeah. some topics and you can tell us whether it's overrated or underrated. You're free to elaborate. You don't always have to elaborate. You're free to elaborate if something is overrated, underrated, or even Mm -hmm. properly rated. Okay.
1: All right, so we're going to do one each. You want me to kick it off, Jean-Luc, or you want to go first?
2: Yeah, you you can kick it off.
1: (laughs) All right, please. Bitcoin, overrated or underrated?
0: (laughs) Somewhere in the middle. It's a real thing. Some people overrate it. Some people don't even know what it is and underrated, but it's a real thing for me.
1: So properly rated at this point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's differently rated by the knowledge that people have of it. Because if you, if you have, I, I don't pretend to have the, the whole knowledge about it, but if, if you have the, like, how do you say that in, in, in Dutch, you say the road, you know, the, the, the the main line of of what Bitcoin is, then then you can appreciate it better. Interesting.
2: So I'm going to go a little bit harder on you. Having a professional logo as a startup.
0: I would say it's important. It's overrated if product that you have doesn't connect with the great logo or house style or corporate identity that you have. Because what uh, the mis- mistake that a lot of people make is that they, they go like, hey, I need a logo. I need corporate identity. I need a house style. But what's your product? How good is your product? What, uh, what's the sense of it? How important is it to you that your, your product is not even what you want it to be yet. Not perfect to say, for example. And so that your, your logo is like overstyled for the product. You know, I, I find that a waste and graphic designers should be more honest clients to, to state that to them, you know, very simple. If if somebody and makes a product, let's, let's say a great Soft drink, for example, and it doesn't taste that good. I would go like, "Why would you make a nice branding for the bottle? Do you have the greatest bottle, and the soft drink tastes like I mean medicine, for example, you know i I would rather concentrate to have a good product first and Definitely, if you have a good product, it's important to have a good look for it. Then it's the, the, then it is the reasonable time to go for the good look. Because sometimes people tend to think that style is the main thing, but it's not. It's not.
1: Yeah. I think that's a good way And and that's,
0: that's coming from a graphic designer.
1: (laughs) No, I, I, we, we... uh appreciate the candidness because basically if you dress up something bad doesn't matter how good you dress it up Of course, it, it's gonna you're, you're gonna create dissonance and people need to be aware of that yeah. to focus on the product because the product will also tell the story the pro- and the once product you got a sell. proper story product yeah proper sell. story yeah. then you package it up to yeah. elevate it this yeah. design is there to elevate yeah the product yeah. and not necessarily clash on it. Yeah.
0: But uh, as, uh, as, uh, I, I don't really like personally the, name, the, the word entrepreneur. I find it a little bit heavy. But as somebody that starts a business, you must know the importance of style when you have a good product. A, a, lot, of, a lot of time people, they concentrate a lot on the product. And when they have a good product, they they tend to like economize on the style, you know, and that that's a pity then because it, it, it I, how do you say that mm, it's it's too bad that you have a good product and then it would get less value if the style around it it's it's not complementary to it.
1: Yeah, it, it can go from good to amazing, basically. Yeah. The first step is getting to good, then yeah. the, the time gets to, to great You have to and start amazing. somewhere,
0: yeah, you have to start somewhere, definitely.
1: Blue, it's been a pleasure having this one-hour conversation <laughs> with you, hearing you tell <laughs> we, the we story get, about... We didn't
0: get to some topics though, but don't worry. <laughs>
1: Maybe we need a part two. Maybe we need a part two. No problem, but man, No we, problem. We, we wanted like to keep it in the constraints of like because it. we started yeah. where you came from, like yeah. the story. And it was interesting to hear the different stories from, you know, you at school, mm-hmm. how Pix by Please got started as basically an offshoot of the design and how it enhances the design business now. The story about the hurly shot was quite okay. interesting, you know, yeah. how yeah. serendipity works and How good branding, because your Pix by Plu branding basically enhance you, as you just mentioned, you uh, as an individual, as a brand. And a world-renowned photographer immediately recognize you the next day. So that just goes to show the power of branding, proper branding, and people should pay more attention to that. And just hearing your story has been an inspiration. So with that being said, it's been a pleasure to have you here. Thank Where can you. people follow you, find you, and any final thoughts? And then Shanlouk, take us away.
0: My website is DLFD.net. It's just a static website. I mean, find me on social media, you know? I mean, just Google my name, PluPixByPlu, you'll find me, Hedwig Lovewente, you will find me. I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on YouTube yeah i'm also i'm everywhere i'm TikTok also no snapchat no snapchat no snapchat Mm
2: -hmm. no it's 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 been really awesome so if you want to connect with please, please reach out to him on social media it's quite easy to reach out to so feel free to reach out we want to thank everybody for tuning in whether it's live or if you're listening to the rerun of this episode which will be posted on live streaming platforms by the end of the month as always we do want to recommend you, if you made it this far into Social Confos, to also subscribe to Diego Amarali's YouTube channel to watch the videos versus live every week. And as always, we will be back with a brand new edition of Social Confos next week, same place, probably same time. See you and bye-bye. Take care, man.